Welcome, welcome again to another rendition of WTF Interviews. My name is Sir Royce Brialis, and I have my prestigious co-host, Dr. Raheem Young. What's up, brother? I'm good, man. How you doing? Doing good, man. I'm doing good. And also, uh, we have a special guest, Mr. Lynn Sturdyvant. Am I saying your name right? Sturdyvant, yep. Sturdyvant, there you go. Tell people about what you do and uh, you know how many kids you have in the ages. Uh, I have one daughter. She's 33. Uh, I am a life coach. I'm a professional life coach. Let me put it that way. Yeah. That's, that's, that's my thing. I, I help. My specialty is black couples and black families and individuals um, navigate some difficulties they may be experiencing. I can give them a little guidance and and help in that area. That's that's my lane. I love black people. I love helping them. That's what I do. Cool. Thank you for joining us today. Absolutely. Uh, so what made you want to go into that field of life coaching? Well, tricky. Uh, I had to do something with my education that allowed me to pursue my passion while I am going back and forth with Virginia Tech to finish my doctorate. Mm. So uh, in the meantime, there was such a demand for what I do. I said, well, you know, I can do it as a life coach. I mean, Jan LaVanzance does it. Dr. Phil does it. Mm. Tony Robbins does it. I'm like, well, yeah, okay, I, I can do that. And, and ain't nobody protesting against them. So I just took that pathway. And um, I'm really liking the, the, the latitude that I have. I'm not bound by any geographical restrictions. Mm. Uh, I can I can see clients virtually. I, I have seen clients. I'm, I'm starting to open up uh, seeing clients uh, physically. Uh, a lot of clients want to be, you know, face to face, and so I'm starting to do starting to open that back up. And uh, it's it's really it's really really great. I'm, I'm seeing a lot of premarital couples. Uh, if you can get past my premarital, you can get married. Um, it's a lot of folks who, you know, we're starting to embrace the mental health aspect of what we do. Mm -hmm. And, and I'm, I'm trying to help uh, as many folks as I can. That's cool. So do you, uh, do you give your daughter advice on like, uh, when, she asked, stuff like that? <laughs> when she asked me, I'll, I'll tell her if she doesn't, if she doesn't ask me, I won't tell her, but when she brings some dude home, she won't have to ask me. That's automatic. So, okay. Yeah. So you gonna read them like a book as soon as he steps through the door? That's what you say. Oh, oh yeah. I'm, I'm slick about it though. You'll never know that I'm reading it. So, <laughs> yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Can you talk about your relationship with your father and your parents growing up? Oh yeah. My the my relationship with my father was horrible. My father was an alcoholic. He drank. He smoked. Uh, he used to beat my mom. Um, I didn't stay with him very long. Him and my mom were married about that, about briefly. And while him and my mom was going at it, I was going back and forth between North Carolina and Newark, New Jersey. Because they would ship me out for the summers and, you know, and I spent a lot of time here in North Carolina with my grandfather. Mm -hmm. who is my father 
because he was the one that gave me that vertical intimacy that I needed from another man who loved me and uh, been in North Carolina ever since. Yeah. So my father, my relationship with my father, it was horrible. It, 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 it probably spurred me on to major in psychology at the bachelor's and master's level because I needed to understand what what happened. So my my bachelor and my master's experience was kind of like forensic. You know, I could put together my family. I, I see the family tree. I see all the dysfunction, all the intergenerational dysfunction that had rolled down the hill and it stopped with me. I didn't pass it on to my daughter. So it was real important for me to understand what I came from so that didn't contaminate any future generations progeny from me. So, yeah. so speak to that um, in regards to we, we talked before this uh, this actual uh, call that we're having now as far as uh, vertical intimacy uh, what does that mean to you and uh, can you share a little bit more about you know that in relation to your practice yeah sure it's, it's one of the things that I kind of assess for um, especially in black males Vertical intimacy, you can liken vertical intimacy to, let's say, five love languages. Touch, time, affirmation, gifts, and service. Those are all vertical intimacies. What I began to notice was that same-sex vertical intimacies in in black males is is practically non-existent. It's not as it's not as strong as vertical intimacy with black females. If you've noticed the trend in on Facebook, Twitter, you know, a lot of black women are, are offering services. They're offering different things, you know, black women who have relationship issues, black women who have family issues, black women who have issues with their daughter. I mean, all of these vertical intimacies between black women and vertical intimacy in black women is way stronger than it is with vertical intimacies with black males. And so I it just kind of, as a researcher, uh, it kind of got my attention. I'm like, well, what about vertical intimacy between males? And it is severely lacking. It It's practically non-existent. Uh, the only place I know that you can get, black males get vertical intimacy um, from gang. If I join a gang, that's, that's, Lots of vertical intimacy in a gang. There's lots of vertical intimacy in jail. So you wonder about recidivism. Part of the recidivism is, hey, you know, I I didn't get a lot of vertical intimacy as a kid. So I know where all the people are hanging out at. So, I mean, the unconscious mechanisms that keep recidivism going in black males and that repeat cycle of uh, going to jail, I, I think it's part of it. I don't have research to support that, but I think it is nevertheless compelling that it's it's uh if i were doing research uh i would go down that road i could see doing some some experiments with vertical intimacies because you, you take black males who are really tight with one of you you're like your best friend you know somebody you call come pick you up from the airport at 327 in the morning or you know somebody you can borrow rent from you know i, I have a real tight circle of of male friends and um and it's, it's, it's like three, 
It's not a lot, but it's it, you know these are these are my ride or dies. You know, I, I need something, and 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 we we kind of help each other like that. You know, whether money or rent or car or you know those kinds of things that you know it, it's it's like that next level friendship. Yeah. And, and I treasure those relationships because it's it's a place where you know if I'm I'm feeling away. And I need to, you know, my boy will come over. And he's like, "Yo, man, I got, I got this wine. Yo, yo, what the fuck is the problem?" You know. <laughs> and it feels good to be able to share that kind of, you know, non-sexual communication. It, it, it just feels. It's like, you know, and I, I grew up as an only child, so me having a brother, it, it, it for me, it's like having a brother. Mm. What role do you think society plays in, well, I guess the the picture that society paints about men or masculinity, uh, especially black men, what what role does that play in the lack of verbal, I keep saying verbal, but vertical intimacy uh, among men? Well, when when I look at the the advent of rap music, Rap music absolutely destroys vertical intimacy, and and especially in black males because it's mostly adversarial. You know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna take your car. I'm gonna have sex with your woman. I'm gonna I'm gonna beat you up and I'm gonna take your money. And and, and it's rinse and repeat. There's nothing mm-hmm. where you know men are kind of taking care of one another. You know, tribes in Africa all the boys kind of go off and, and, and experience manhood, you know, hunting, fishing, you know, and providing for the village, you know, mm-hmm. things. Those are vertical intimacies. And in, and for black males, vertical intimacy is, is, is really difficult to achieve. And so, it, and if you don't, if you don't achieve it, then a lot of us chase it. And I, and I think that's where the possible, dysfunctions come in because I, I should I should have a man in my face. But eighty seven percent black boys grow up without a father in the house. That's for modeling, that's for imprinting. So I need to see as a black boy, I need to see a man love my mama so that I will have a clue when I get with a girl. Mm-hmm. I need to see that, you know, in my it, it's important for a black girl to see a man love her mama. So we're, we're going to stick to the males today because the female side of that, uh, that's another show. So uh, <laughs> it's, it's real important. Um, this, this destruction, the systematic destruction of black manhood, this, this thing goes all the way back to the Civil Rights Act of 1964. Um, mm. The thing that Martin Luther King struggled and signed, and once it, once it was in place, then women now had access to welfare, child support, AFDC, WIC, food stamps, Section 8, Medicaid, Medicare. She didn't need a man to be in her space because there was this big safety net. Mm-hmm. Prior to, I'd say, prior to the 1960s, 40s, 50s, and early 60s, when the government wasn't in our lives, of black households had a mama and a daddy. 80% of them had a business. So Mm. 
we were much better off when the government was not in our lives. And, and, and ever since the government came into our lives, you know, now, teen, you know, teenage pregnancy back in the 1940s and 50s, you got shot or you got married, called shotgun wedding. Very popular here in the South. You, you got the girl pregnant, boy, all right, you do the right thing. There was no question about it. There was no government interference, and we handled our business. So... All of that's gone, man. Like and now, you know, the the you listen to the eighth grade strategy of a black female. They're telling you, "I want two babies and no husband," because I seen my aunt do it, I seen my mama do it, I seen my sister do it, I seen my cousins do it. And that cycle of poverty. I'm not saying all. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm saying some. And and this is this is documented, you know. Um. You know, it, I think it's really sad, but this per when I begin to, you know, deconstruct what's going on in the black family, I'm, I'm seeing that when once the black male is taken out of the family, and and you got black females head of family head of household now, these boy children are growing up with no male figure present. Well, so well. Uh... You know, just because the mother and the father isn't together, does that mean that the father still doesn't interact with the children? No, no, not at all. As a matter of fact, black, single black fathers interact with their children more than any other race, any yeah. more than whites, more than Hispanics, more than, you know, any other race. So it's there, but it's a strained relationship. Mm-hmm. It's strained, you know, because because they, they didn't have co-parenting back in the day. Co-parenting is something that I, I'm working on with my couples now. They're like, to try to get them to stay focused and present for the children so that they can see that there's hope for a relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because the parent, this half, this half of me is my mama, this half of me is my daddy. And, and so now I'm torn apart, you know, you know, my, my parents are going at each other. You know, I, I, we go and do the exchange at McDonald's. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to drop my son off at McDonald's. You're going to pick him up, and I'll meet you back here next Sunday at 7 a.m. And, you know, just really cold kind of, you know. I, and I, I love getting those families in and just trying to help them. All of your childhood stuff will always show up in a relationship. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. All of it, that, 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 right? And, and especially right after you say "I do," <laughs> it's just like somebody unlocked the door and they're like, "Yeah, just bring all of my childhood stuff. Just come on into, come on in." <laughs> because it's about to get. And see, the thing, the party really starts when all those hormones wear off: dopamine, oxytocin, vasopressin, epinephrine, all the love hormones. The, the, the spill. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Don't even face. Right. Right. So when when those hormones wear off, you know, leaving the toilet seat up ain't cute no more. You know, drinking out drinking out the juice carton ain't so cute no more. <laughs> so yeah, but I I mean, but that's that's my lane. So I just I just kind of wake couples up to what, what's going on with that. So, you know, when you, um, what were some of the things that, some of the childhood things that came out of you and your relationship? Oh, man. Are you kidding? 
<laughs> few of the line, the last five women I, I last five girlfriends, they were all cookie cutters of my mama. One, two, three, four, five. They were about the same height. They're about the same skin tone. They're about the same education. I mean, all I mean, it's just like bam, 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 bam. And, and by the time I snapped out, I was, I was in the master's program when I snapped out of that one. Because I didn't want that quiet girl, that quiet little church girl that was over there in the corner. <laughs> I wanted that neck rolling, finger snapping, got an attitude and a lot of mouth. Yeah, that's what I want. That, that, was, that, was, my mom. Mom. that was my mom. So it's like, I'm, I'm and, and this woman let me play my role. See, we, we, we seek people, you know, there's, a, there's this unconscious motivation to seek people who remind us of the parent that gave us the hardest time. Mm-hmm. And that's not gender specific. I could date a woman who reminds me of my father. Mm-hmm. Just think about it. <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah, we, we, we chase that kind of thing and it's, it's, it's unconscious. And until, you know, you become conscious 80% of your actions are driven by your unconscious. Yeah. I mean, 80%, that's a lot. So what I do is I just kind of like shine a little light on and say, hey, have you ever thought about it like this? Or, you know, the relationship you had with your mom, you know, this woman lets you play that. And, and so when she doesn't want you to play that role anymore, you're upset. So you just shine different lights on different things. And imagine what I do is repetition. So, mm. um, so take me on a if I had a, a, a DeLorean like the time machine, take me back to the '90s. You were raising your daughter. Um, what um, would you say is some vertical intimacies you share with your daughter uh, during that time, like growing up? We were yeah. me, and your, me and your daughter are four years apart technically. Like I'm, I'm 37, she's 33. Mm-hmm. So, you know, what what experiences did you have with your daughter? Like back then, I was always in her face. <laughs> and, and we did, I mean, she's my ride or die. When we go to the amusement park, we get on the, the roller coaster that does this. <laughs> <laughs> and it, she, she's kind of like a mini me in a way. So it's kind of scary. But, you know, I was, I was there for her. I, I, there was never, you know, there was the, when I moved away from Durham to Charlotte to take a job with Time Warner Cable, I, that, I, I, I regret that. I, I should have never left. And that was, that was, that was about three or four years where, until she graduated high school. Um, and, but I would come back and forth, and, and I bought a house in Charlotte. And, and I brought her down. I'm like, hey, babe, this is your room. You know, you come down anytime you want. And, you know. But I, 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 I was a presence in her life. Mm. Yeah. Important. So, like, we have vertical intimacy. What is horizontal in- intimacy? Is that sex? Horizontal intimacy is sex, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> okay. You know, I see. When, a, when a couple is experienced, I'll have a couple come in and say, you know, we haven't sex like twice a month. So, mm-hmm. sex is a form of communication. I'm like, well, hmm. Uh, like, so tell me what's going on. And they describe all these vertical problems. Uh, we ain't communicating well. He ain't paying no bills. He can't keep a job. She comes home with the Right. 
Yeah. And, and, and men have complaints too, you know, like, you know, she used to cook come home house dirty, uh, you know, ain't, ain't nothing done, she, you know. So all of these vertical problems, these are vertical intimacies are how, how well do we get along when we're on our feet? See, horizontal intimacy is easy. Ever since sex got easier, love got harder to find. Mm. So vertical intimacies between men and women is 80% of the relationship. How well do we get along? Yeah. You know, are we on the same page? Do we have the same political views? Do we have the same philosophy? You know, uh, you know, when it comes to children, do we have child rearing skills that are you know, on the same page? So it's really important to establish those vertical intimacies because the vertical intimacy makes the horizontal pop. Yeah. So if I'm a man and I come home and we got two kids. If I participate in second shift, right? Because when you come home, you know, you got kids got homework, they got to be bathed, they got to, you got to feed them, you got to spend some time with them, some quality time with them, you got to put them to bed, and then you get this this cycle. So the more the man participates in second shift, the more the horizontal intimacy will pop. So he comes home, he starts dinner, he's doing kids' homework. He's he's putting on a load of clothes for you know for everybody you know got somebody got to wash these clothes you know those things that participate in the household duties are called second shift when he comes home and she and if she's working she comes home too and the kids come home everybody come home at the same time. Mm. Oh, but so. isn't that just like behaviors? It's not really. Um... I don't know if the man is necessarily doing it because he wants to or he enjoys doing it. He's doing it. Uh, it's like transactional. He's doing it in order to get like the horizontal intimacy. It helps. When I, when I've given that advice, I'm like, you know, and I pull the guys to the side and say, Hey man, you know, look here, just do this for 10 days. When you come home, I want you to start dinner. I want you to do the homework and I want you to bathe the kids. Right, take some of that load off of her, because when you're not there, she 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 gets home first to deal with the kids. So, but when you come, if you can take some of the domestic duties from the house, because the house is—I mean, you got to run a house. It's it's a job. So when you come home, if you can lighten her load, everything you want be right there. And he thanked me profusely. He did it for ten days. (laughs) And and then it hit. And see, I I know that if you do it for 27 days in a row, it'll become a part of your memory. And heard back from them since. You know, um, you don't think that's being manipulative, though. Well, do you want to be right or do you want to be in a relationship? That's a bar, right? There. I'm gonna type that down. <laughs> well, but if you. But if you have to like manipulate in order to maintain a relationship, what's the point of the relationship? That's not a manipulation. That's again, if I grew up, remember now, eighty-four percent of black, eighty-seven percent of black males grew up. They ain't see all that. Uh-huh. Okay, and so if I didn't see a, you know, if I didn't see my dad come home and participate in in, in second shift or. Or do things with my. Or if I grew up as a black boy and I didn't see a man love my mama, how do you expect me to? You expect me to walk into a relationship with that skill set? 
No, I would have. But so. I, 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 have, I follow what you're saying. I follow what you're saying, Lynn. But at the same time, it's a different time. You know, um, a lot of a lot of that, like men men worked and women stayed at home and raised the kids. Right now, like everybody has to work, <laughs> and uh, everybody like participates in when you're in a relationship like that. Participates in the the child bearing, the child raising. So um, I think a lot of men now do have those skills, you know. To participate in the home, you don't think so? If if I, I you got it. If if you could survey my couples who came in with the problem, because what we're dealing with is remnants of patriarchy. Okay, mm-hmm. the patriarchy said, "Now you know, dad's breadwinner, mom's mom was the domestic engineer, and, and and women wanted to get out the house, women wanted to work, women wanted to get an education, and so now what has happened is." that the power base and the level of income now women are right here with men okay you, you, yeah. you y'all equally yoked so your job is just as important as her job you want to live in a nice neighborhood and you want to accumulate assets and you want to drive a nice car you got to be married usually you you'll gain you'll get your assets quicker in marriage than doing it by yourself yeah yeah usually so yeah, patriarchy. Patriarchy has shifted. It's, it's, it's no it, the, the patriarchy game is is bad. It, 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 it's practically non-existent. You know, so we, we're coming out of patriarchy and kind of moving in. When the government came in, patriarchy kind of faded to black, and now matriarchy is kind of the rule now. It's matriarchal, mama running stuff. So. Are you saying in general or like in the black community? In in black communities, yeah, because mama's mama's head of the household. Ninety percent of women do not marry their baby daddy. Ninety percent. Check my stats. <laughs> <laughs> they don't marry them. Why? Don't need to. You get what you need. You can go downtown, and get food stamps, child support, welfare, AFPC, wait, food stamps. Uh, I mean, Medicaid, Medicare, Section Eight. Get a house, get an apartment, get a stipend for it. You need no man. What do you? The only time you need a man for is insemination. So <laughs> really, no purpose. So do you think women still uh, desire marriage or still want to get married? I like to think so. Uh, I mean, it's it, when you look at this this onset of these black love, black marriage shows that are coming on TV, yeah. it kind of gives you know folks some hope, you know, yeah. You know, especially if you don't want to walk in that 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 single parenthood trap that was laid before you, you know, you, you're looking to marriage. You know, I, I'm I'm doing a workshop on um, how do you love yourself. Because in order for me to be in order for me to be in a love relationship, I have to love myself first. I can't be in a, if if I don't know how to love myself, I'll make you take care of me. Mm. And, and and you should hear the chorus of amens that when I when I do this this when I do this segment of my workshop, they're like, yeah, I, I don't I don't know how to love myself. So you know I'm I'm, I'm home and you know I ain't, I ain't did nothing all day. I'm sitting there playing Xbox. 
ain't ain't washed the dish, ain't folded clothes. And when a woman comes home and, and that's what you're doing, it's gonna be problems because that's not gonna work. So, but yeah, if I'm reliving that part of my childhood where my mom didn't take care of me, I mean, it's, it's a lot of psychological factors that's kind of makes that really convoluted. When I hear about, you know, the person sitting on the couch and didn't do anything, ain't, can't find a job, ain't looking for a job. It's like, yeah, there's probably some age regression in there. You just got to kind of, kind of ferret it out and uh, find out what's going on. You'll find out a lot of times that, I, you know, when I ask people, how do you love yourself? Most people go, I, I got a nice car. I got a, got an education, you know, I'm, you know, I'm a decent person. No, no, no. That's not loving yourself. How does your heart and your brain, is your heart and your brain on the same page? You know, do you, how do you, how do you love yourself? And most, most folks can't answer that. So if I don't know how to love myself and I get with a woman who doesn't know how to love herself, it's going to be a lot of conflict. Yeah. Do you, oh, go ahead, Russ. No, I, my, my question was going to be, um, what part of your childhood did you relive in your relationships? Um, okay. I tried to get the love from these women that were like my mama because I, I didn't finish the relationship with my mom. So I found unconsciously, I found somebody like my mom so that I could complete the relationship. Your brain is always trying to complete uh, something that was left undone. There's a part of your brain that has absolutely no sense of time. Two years ago, 20 years it's ago, it's, it's right there. Yeah. And, and so, you know, for you to become aware of that part of your brain and what's going on in it, I, I, it's major. Because it, it, it is literally no sense of time, none. So when, when I got these women, I'm, I'm trying to get from them what I should have gotten from my mom. And it's like, and, and at some point in time, it kind of clicked on. It's like, well, wait a minute. You, you know, I, I tell people this all the time. You know, you're in a relationship. Can't nobody make you happy. You have to make you happy. Yeah. And, and, I, and, I, and I'll hear it all the time. You know, who's responsible for your happiness? Well, well he's responsible for my happiness. That's why we got married. He's supposed, he's supposed to make me happy. Wait a minute. But if you can't make you happy, then how can he make you happy? And then, and then you just get people to start thinking about, oh, I'm responsible for my own happiness. I'm responsible for loving me. Because if I love me and, and she loves herself, then we can come together and be equally yoked. It's not a date up there's not a day down, <laughs> right? Because people going to, people get married like this. We married, when I married her, she was a date down. Or when I married him, he was a date down. And you thought marriage was going to change that? The gap got wider. As soon as you said, I do, that gap got wider. Sometimes, not all the time, but in my experience. You know, that kind of go into what I was saying about the manipulation. Um, when okay, like you just said, someone else can't make you happy, right? Mm -hmm. So the person who you're talking about, her husband doing these things and performing, uh, you know, the way that she wants for a certain amount of time, 
that's not really making her happy. That's that's just doing what she wanted at that time. So he can get so he can get sex. <laughs> so I'm saying like a, a person that loves himself or herself, like you were saying, are they really bothered by the house not being as clean as they want it to be? To the well, point that they were in their relationship? Uh yeah, I have to yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it can it can go there because at some point in time somebody's gonna get tired of it. Mm-hmm. If, if I come home and, and a you ain't got a job, you ain't clean the house, you ain't got nothing cooking, you ain't you know, kids running around, you know. Yeah. No, you can't and, and see, you know, what's the stat on that? Uh I I I'm sure it's well over eighty percent of a cup. 80%, well, it's probably 90%. 90% of couples who get a divorce, they never get therapy or counseling. Mm. They just break up. They don't, they don't never sit down. But it's funny, because 50% of couples who get a divorce regret it within eight months of getting the divorce. Mm. A lot of, not all, but a good portion that's significant. Yeah. They regret it. And you're coming out of a 3,200 square foot house into a little 600 square foot apartment. That's when you snap out of it. It's like, man, I, I, this is crazy. It, you know, you kind of, you know, that 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 spell that was on you, you just kind of, kind of fades away. It's like, you know, it's it's it's, it's really fun. It's, it's it's beautiful when the light goes on. Hopefully, we can get the light to go on before you lose the mortgage, you know, 75% of your assets will be lost in a divorce, 75%. And the bank don't, the bank ain't in the house business. So they're going to be very angry when you can't pay that. If you ain't paid it off and you got a 30 year loan and you got 20 years left, there go your equity. Just like that. You don't get no equity, keeping your equity. Now, now the bank is mad at you because they already got to sell a house. The bank and then the house selling housing business, they hate that. So, you know, I always tell couples, you know, before you get that divorce, you know, talk to me. Let, let's see if it's something basic. Let's see if it's something that's, you know, a lot of secrets in, in, in relationships. You know, I, I could do a book on secrets in Black families and how I take these secrets into a relationship and how those secrets manifest in my relationship. It's really deep stuff. It's really deep. So how about when it all falls apart? So you have a couple that um, you, you speak with and uh, they end up going through a divorce. What do those conversations look like after the divorce? Like as far as still showing vertical uh, intimacy? Like what vertical you're intimacy is gone. At that point, it's, it's, it's adversarial now. Ain't no more vertical intimacy. So the divorce turns people who once loved each other into adversaries. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've seen some really contentious, like these people used to love each other. Whoa. I mean, they, you, you would think they was born enemies. And it's all, and again, you know, if, if I bring secrets into my family secrets, I bring into the marriage, you bring your family secrets into the marriage. Neither, if you don't talk secrets out, you'll act it out. 
And if you don't deal with the secrets in your family, then it's just going to continue to fester. Uh, and I've, I've, I've been in some, some uh, family sessions in which the person who was the burden bearer of the secret, that was the one that got up and left. This, this is some bullshit. I, I, I ain't got to sit here and take this. I'm out of here. Right? Because that secret is heavy. Yeah. It's embarrassing. It's shameful. And, and I'm like, ah, oh, don't, no, don't chase that person. Let him go. Let him go. You know, and, and here's, here's, where it, here's where the session turns cathartic, where everybody releases that secret so no one's no longer hearing it. It's a beautiful thing. When, when, when you watch it happen, it's, it's really beautiful. Yeah. It's going to happen. So, so do you, do you, um, do you believe, like, people even experience love? Well, majority of the people that say that they're in love, are they really experiencing love? That's a great question. Um, when you ask them, well, you can, you, can, you can know that if, when you ask them, you know, how do you love yourself? If, if, you if they can answer the question, how do you love yourself? If they can give you, you know, mm-hmm. an answer, then yeah, I, I think it is. But other than that, you know, I, I see a lot of first marriages I like to call them starter marriages. <laughs> starter marriage, you know, yeah, you, you you got married and you know you, you thought you were compatible, you thought you were you could get along, and it just didn't. You know, a lot of us, including myself, I had a starter marriage, and a lot of us just didn't have the tools. You know, I didn't grow up like you know when, when you look at my parents growing up. That was a horrible relationship to follow. So I'm. Me going into a relationship, I I didn't bring the skill set, mm-hmm. you know. Versus, uh, you know, here's a woman from whose parents are still together, who parents still love each other, and she saw them for the first thirty five years of her life. That is her prototype. Mm-hmm. So she's not really going to be, you know, she's not going to be really attracted to that guy who doesn't really come from that prototype usually. Sometimes, you know, it's, it's, it gets really tricky. Um, one of the things I like to, to, to assess is personality. Where are they at personality-wise? Are these good personalities to be together? And there's 16 different personality types and there's some of them that are good and there's some that are not, not so good. So, yeah. All right, so we're we're getting close to time. Uh, this is a, it's been an excellent uh, interview, man. I really enjoyed it. Uh, but I, I have one last question: If you could give advice to any like uh, young dad or dad in general, people in a relationship uh, starting their family, what what would it be? Learn how to love yourself mm-hmm. quickly. It is when I love myself, I can extend myself to you. And when you really love, you know, I always ask this of my couples, when you get with somebody, make sure that you can see yourself in that person. I see aspects of who I am in her. And I like to keep that, if we can get that up to around 80%, you know, it's this this thing that opposites attract. Yeah, they are, they attract, but they don't really stay together. So, uh, <laughs> you know, I you know part of my workshop is I'm like, you know, look for somebody like you. 
Oh, no, oh, I ain't dating my love. Like, so if you wouldn't date you, you expect somebody else to put up with your stuff. <laughs> so that's bad. But uh, <laughs> yeah, learn how to love yourself and, and, and to, to get with a qualified professional who can help you to learn how to love yourself. Because that is a, once you love yourself, who you are attracted to and who is attracted to you all change. All of it changes. Because mm. I'm not chasing a parent. I don't want to chase a parent in a partner. No, I, I'll grieve that relationship with a parent and, and finish it. I can close the door on the relationship with, with my mom. Okay, bam, that door is closed. I got closure. I'm clear. So everything that I love about myself, I would love in another woman. Hey, man, I'm sorry. That, that was a bomb right there. So chasing a parent, it's like the, the idea of what you thought your parents should have been. That's what you want in your partner. And you want, and you want to finish it. And you, yeah. you, you want it so bad. Exactly. And you want it so bad. And this person isn't responsible for finishing your relationship with your parent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you look like it. You sound like it. You talk like it. Y'all got the same hair. You same skin tone. Y'all both wear glasses. You, you got the same body type. What do you mean? I'm not responsible for that. And, and, and vice versa. You know, women can chase guys that look like or remind them of their dads. Most of them do. Even if the dad wasn't in the relationship, mm -hmm. it's the energy that, that is still there. Yeah. The energy's there. Energy's some powerful stuff, man. It's deep. <laughs> dope. Uh, on, on this type of subject, uh, we got to dive deeper into stuff that, you know, impacts our relationships, you know, not just with our kids, but with our uh, significant others. Yeah. It impacts our kids in the long run, you know? Yes. Your, your kids are looking at everything from, from 18 months on. Your kids are looking at everything you do. Everything. Your relationship. I learned to read my mom's facial expressions. Like, I knew I was going to have a good evening or a bad evening. I could look at her face. And it's funny because I bring that skill set into when I'm having a session. I can, I can see arms folded up, which means I ain't buying shit you selling. You're like, yo, mm, right? Versus the arms down and I'm open. So, you know, it's, it's, it's different, you know, facial cues that, you know, eyes go left. I'm accessing the right side of my brain. That's my creative side. So when, I, when, I'm at, when you give me an answer, I'm looking at which direction your eyes are going. If my eyes go right, I'm accessing my logical side. Okay. Mm -hmm. So it's all little, little things that, little nuances that, you know, kind of let you know if this couple's lying to me, <laughs> if they're truthful with me. You know, if I, if that foot's going, that foot's discharging that energy. I got folk who come and they just shaking back and that foot going back and forth. You, you nervous? Oh no, no, it's just a bad habit. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I'm discharging energy. It's funny I see people discharge energy. But yeah, man, I I'm, I'm happy to share as as much as I know, I, and I'll you know 
I try to be open about my own stuff too. I, I think that's one of the things that my my couples and individuals like about me because I, I'll if it's appropriate, I'll I'll tell you about how I dealt with it, you know, as a single person, as a single dad, you know, the cookie cutter moms before I snapped out of it. Mm. Yeah, it was cookie cutter. She lived right down the street too. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, I definitely appreciate uh, you know your story and uh, what you share with it with the you know with, with the people with the group. Uh, this might get value from uh, your story and uh, you know it, it, not putting it in the frame of uh, you know emotional intelligence. That's uh, that's important that we do it because we can uh, we can grow from that. Emotional intelligence critical. That 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 yeah. it's it's so. There's so much more to emotional intelligence and, and whether or not I can hear you, you know, and whether or not I can incorporate that and, and, and not get, you know, children, if, if, you, if you have children, you know that a child can trigger you. A child knows exactly what button to press. And, and so you have to have the emotional intelligence to understand what this child is doing, how I'm being triggered, and how to mitigate that so that I don't pass my dysfunction onto my child. That's that's an acquired taste that comes with a lot of practice. Because yeah. a, a child will trigger the hell out of you. <laughs> it's like they already know. They, I mean, they, they were they, they're a part of you. That's half you, half of who they are. Mm -hmm. So yeah. Really deep. That's a whole. That's a whole nother show with the kids. <laughs> part two. Part two. Well, uh, it's yeah. part part two and part three. Part two <laughs> is for the females. Then part three is for the children. There you yeah. go. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> no, that was dope. Uh, tell the people if uh, they have to reach you somewhere, how would they reach you? Yeah, um, marriagefamilyclinic.com. You'll get to the website, and it's uh, all my contact information there, who I am, what I do, the different types of services I provide, um, marriagefamilyclinic.com. All right, cool. Yeah, I have that link to uh, the description below uh, for the people. I also have you on LinkedIn, so I have your LinkedIn info also below. But yeah, def definitely, Dr. Lynn, I appreciate you, man. We got a lot of value from this, uh, from this episode. Yeah, man, I'm 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 willing to lay it out there and take some of the mystery out of, and that's why I don't even like calling it therapy. So I'm coaching because uh, my, my my man Dr. Young don't want to be manipulated, so uh, <laughs> we, we, we'll coach him and hopefully that he'll change his mind with a little repetition. That's <laughs> over the time. That's what it's all about. Uh, yeah, uh, we're gonna wrap on this uh, on this note uh, for, for Soul Royce Bialis, Dr. Raheem Young, and for Dr. Lynn. Definitely uh, appreciate uh, you know your insight and your input and your wisdom. Uh, so stay tuned for further announcements. Absolutely. Working on the doctor thing. We're gonna get we getting. Yeah, it's close enough. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, yes. 
Thank you for listening to WTF Interviews. If you want to get in contact with us, you can reach us via our website, WTFatherhood.org. Also, our Facebook page and our Facebook group will be listed in the description below as well. Uh, I ask you to leave a a review as it helps more people receive the message. And uh, again, until next time, be well. You already are.